Well, um, today's text is filled with hope and warning. Uh, we're going to be looking at the text that Brett read this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, I, I'd encourage you just to, to turn there. And one of the things that, that we do here is uh, go verse by verse most Sundays. And so we'll do that this morning. And so it's always helpful if you, you have it in front of you there. Uh, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's a Bible right there uh, under the seat in front of you. We'd love for you to take that. Um, if you don't have one at home, you could take that with you too. Uh, be a, something you could take today. We'd love for you to do that. Uh, leave the chair, but take the Bible, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but if you also are a guest with us this morning, there's a guest card there in the back of the seat in front of you. We'd love for you to, to fill that out at some point. Um, uh, today, and uh, you can drop that in the plates up here in the back uh, when we come to observe communion together this morning. Um, we'd love just to simply be neighborly back to you. Today's text, like I said, filled with hope, filled with warning, and, and I believe it's, it's, it's hope to all of us who struggle, and I say all of us because we all struggle in our spiritual walk, if we're honest. There, there's there's moments where we maybe struggle more. There's moments where we struggle less in our walk with Jesus. Um, it's also a word of warning, though, too, to drifting. And when I say drifting, of just slowly maybe drifting in the wrong direction in our spiritual walk. Um, and so it's a wording of hope. It's a wording of warning. And so I want to give a picture this morning um, of, of a river. Okay, a, a river that's raging, it's, it's, it's wild in some parts, and so it's a level four, level five, and man, and, and we're all in that river, okay? Whether we like it or not, we're in the river, and, and we're swimming, and, and, and the downstream flow in some places is, is fast and, and strong, and in other places it's, it's slower, and, and it's at a, at a more... Uh, 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 turtle pace, uh, you could say, but it's all going downstream, and, and that's our culture. That, that's secularism that we, we live in daily, and it's pushing us downward, and at the end of that river is devastation. It's destruction. Be, because the aim and the goal of the world <laughs> is the aim and the goal that the enemy has. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and so this world and secularism drifts toward that. It rages toward that. But you and I are in the river. And God's goal for us is that we would swim, that we would be swimming, and that we would swim upstream against the flow of culture, against the flow of secularism, against all that is against Christ, and that we would swim for Jesus, that we would go upstream. We're never going to get on the top of the mountain here on earth and look down at the river and just be like, hmm, I'm glad I'm not in that. No, we're in it. John 17 says we're in the world but not of it. We're in it but not of it. So what does Jesus want us to do today? He wants us to swim. Man, he wants us to swim. And there's going to be times it's, it's a struggle. It's, it's hard. There's going to be times we drift. And so I think Paul addresses both words of hope and words of warning to us Today, and I think that's what Paul gets to. And I think as we swim, that we're speaking words of truth into the culture, 
But at the same time, speaking words of truth to each other to encourage each other to keep swimming in our spiritual life. And so today, I believe that what Paul has in mind, that we would fix our eyes on Christ, that we would seek to live for him in this man-centered, man-driven world, and that, yes, there will be times of struggle. There may even be times of drifting, of course, I believe that but that we would know that God wants us to swim. He wants us to keep swimming. And as we swim, I think there's something big um, yet difficult that we are to have, that God so wants for us if we're going to progress in our spiritual life and grow in our spiritual life, and that is humility. It's humility. It's not necessarily simple. It's difficult, and I think he's going to address that this morning. Um, pride devastates us daily, and it seeks to raise its ugly head in our lives. But Paul wants us to die to that and pursue a life of humility that boasts in Jesus alone. And so today, um, Paul wants us to grow in maturity. He wants us to keep swimming. And so let's look at that if we will. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. As we get out of the gates this morning, look at the text. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. As we have seen throughout the beginning of this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, the Corinthians were struggling. That They were struggling with, with viewing things from a spiritual point of view, from a biblical point of view, that they were failing to look at life and life's is, issues through the lens of the gospel. Uh, their doctrine, their, their set of beliefs, what they believed in, their attitudes, their actions were offline biblically. And Paul wrote to them to encourage them to change. Paul has painted a, a picture in this beginning of this letter, of two types of people in the world. You remember last week, he, he said, there's the natural man, right? Chapter 2, verse 14, the natural man is, is the one who is void of the Spirit of God. They do not have the Holy Spirit. Uh, they do not um, receive Christ as Lord of their life. Uh, they reject the gospel. And then there's the spiritual man. The spiritual man is quite different. He has the Holy Spirit. He loves the gospel. He loves the message of the cross. Jesus is Lord of his life. That's the spiritual man. And so Paul has these two ideas when he speaks of mankind, the natural and the spiritual. But what he, Paul's going to do today is he's going to make some more distinct distinctions. And as you read this this morning, I, I hope it gives you hope. Warning as well, but, but I think hope also. Uh, to, to know that when we come to Christ, when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's not like automatically, right, that, that we're become this deep spiritual person who, who's daily walking with the Lord and, 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 and maturing and, 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 and got this whole thing figured out. Paul doesn't see it that way. It's not that way. Uh, in reality, we're people who struggle. We're, we're people who at times drift in the world that we live in. And so what does he say here? We look at verse 1 again. He says, I didn't come to you to speak to you as spiritual men. 
but as to what? Men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. And so Paul talks about this third distinction. It's the spiritual still, that they're spiritual because look at verse 1, they're in Christ. So they have a relationship with Jesus. You remember at the beginning of the letter, Paul talked about that. Paul talked about their relationship. In verse 2 of chapter 1, he says, you're sanctified in Christ. You're saints by calling. You've called on the name of the Lord Jesus. In verse 6, he says, your testimony concerning Christ has been confirmed that, that by the way that you have lived and modeled that you've come to know Christ as Savior. It also says in verse 21 that you're those who have believed in the gospel and been saved. And in verse 30 of chapter 1, he says, this is by God's doing that you are in Jesus Christ. God has saved you, and you have become to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So they're in Christ, these who are fleshly, these who are infants and babes. But what is he talking about? Well, he talks about those who are fleshly. He, he's talking about their actions, in some translations, maybe it says men of the world or, or worldly. And so what it means is that our actions, our, our attitudes, um, our deeds, how we live, it's worldly. It, it's fleshly. And, and what is that in contrast to as we think about last week and as we think about what he says here? It's in contrast to the Spirit, to walking with the Spirit. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, I don't have this on the screen for you today, but I want, I want you to hear, I think I have one verse. Go ahead and throw up Galatians 5.13. I think I'm a little ahead of where you guys might be, but it says this in Galatians 5.13. It says, you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You see, they're, they're in Christ. They, they are... They have victory over the penalty of sin and death because of the death of Jesus Christ. They, they know the Lord, but he warns them here. He says, do not use your freedom, your new position in Jesus Christ as an opportunity for the flesh, but instead to love, to love one another. If you drop down to verse 16, it won't be on the screen, but I'll read it to you. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, the desires of the world. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And listen to what he says here. The deeds of the flesh are evident. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, that hate toward other people strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousings, and things like this. Those are deeds of the flesh. And so that's what Paul has in mind here. Another way to look at it as well is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. John says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And so the Corinthians, Paul says, 
by your actions. You're living according to the ways of the world. You're, you're living according to the ways of the flesh. It's their practice. But he also says here they're infants. What does this mean? They're not growing, okay? Because in chapter 1, we hear they've come to Christ, but there's no progress in their spiritual life. They, they're not growing in maturity, but yet they're still babes in Christ. They're still infants. So there's no growth. There's no maturity. And so Paul is going to encourage them here both in their practice and their growth. And it's all connected, right? That you would grow in the Lord, that you would grow in, in, in your practice, that you would no longer live according to the way of the world and the way of the flesh, but that you would walk in the Spirit and live according to the ways of Christ. When you think about it, our week is filled, probably about 100 hours of, of taking in our world and secularism. It's all around us. And so Paul is coming and saying, hey, listen, you've got to stop living a way to, according to the ways of the world, but a way according to the Spirit of God. So look at verse 2 as he continues here. He says this, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not yet able. And so in the past, at the beginning, what did Paul give to them? He says milk, right? It gives them milk because they weren't able to receive it yet. It's like a, a baby, an infant, Okay. I thought I heard something. I was just making sure that, that you know, I didn't know what was going on, all right? So, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Is that me? It's the cat. All right, how we doing now? We good? We're good now. We're good now. Maybe I need to take the receiver out of my khakis and just hold it. I think that's what Brad was talking about, just in case. We got, all right, here we go. Okay, thanks, man. One thing I love about Brad Horan is he is quick. He is quick. Well played, man. Well played. And so he says here, you're not able to receive it. And so as new Christians, what do we do? We start on milk, just like an infant, like a baby. You're not going to give your, 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 your newborn a filet mignon, right? It's not going to happen. Um, this makes sense. You start on the basics of the faith. And then he says at the end of verse 2, indeed, even now, you're still not able to. So, so what Paul is saying here, but wait a second, that there's been no growth. There's been no growth. And then in verse 3, here's why. For you are still fleshly, living according to the ways of the world, for since there is this. And so he's saying, I've got to still give you milk because you're living away to, uh, according to the ways of the world. I'll tell you what the idea of milk is in just a second. But he says, this is what your fleshly ways look like. This is what your worldly ways look like in verse 3. For since there is jealousy and strife among you. Do you remember hearing those two in Galatians 5 when we read just a second ago? Yeah, they're there. Are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? You know, I love that last phrase. You know what God's purpose is for you? 
is that you're, you're not just living just like everybody else in the world. That you're not just mere human. God has more for you than that. He wants you to have meaning and purpose in the spiritual life, walking with him, walking according to the way of the Spirit. He has so much for those who know him. You remember last week in verse 9, you remember chapter 2, things which eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. He wants you to not just be mere men and mere women among the rest of the world. He wants you to live for the purposes of God. And so if you go back up and you look at verse 3, he says, hey, you're still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife, and really you could put in any sin there, right? Any sin that we might struggle with, whether it's lust or whether it's lying or whether it's cheating or unkindness. But the reason there's jealousy, the reason there's strife among each other in this church and this community of believers is because they're acting like mere men. And here's the reason why. Look at verse 4. It says, For when one says, I am of Paul, and another man, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? You remember what they were doing in chapter 1? We we heard about this, is that there were different factions and groups in the church. They would group themselves with Apollos. They would group themselves with Paul and Peter. And and so what were they doing? They they were saying, hey, this guy's teaching is better. This guy's style is better. um, And they linked on to these guys. And it became a point of tension. It became a point of strife, of of jealousy, and boasting in men. And really boasting in self. And so Paul brings this up, and he says, hey, this has become a real problem. A real problem. And it created hate between one another. And this is why they can't take in solid food. This is why they can't digest solid food, because they are filled with pride. And Paul says, they need milk. They need milk. So what's milk? Uh, Milk is the message of the cross in this context. Chapter 1, verse 18. it's, It's the message of the cross. It's the gospel. You might be saying, well, they're already saved. Yeah. But they need to go back to understanding the gospel. Because what's the message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came and he died. He died for you. He became a substitute on the cross for you. He took your place. He bore your sin in his body on the cross, paid the penalty and the price of death that we deserve because the wages of sin is death. And he paid the price for us so that we could have the free gift of eternal life. He rose again, conquering the grave. And that if we would believe in Jesus, not just as Savior, but as Lord of our life, Romans chapter 10, 9 says, that we will be saved, that we will be saved. So what happens there, when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, what we're saying is my self-determination, my self-good works, my self 
good deeds is not going to save me. That's not going to cut it. There has to be a dethroning of self and a new king on the throne. And so when we come to believe in Jesus Christ, what we're saying is, I surrender. I, I no longer want to be on the throne of my life. But I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He needs to be on the throne. And so there's a new king in town when we trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior. There's a new reigning going on. And what happens is it's no longer us. And so the message of the gospel, you know, it's not just that we are saved. I mean, yes. But now there's someone else leading and reigning. Someone else who is Lord of our life, and it's Jesus. And so when you think about why is Paul having to still give them milk, it's because what does the gospel do? It devastates pride. And it leads us down the road to humility. And Paul says, I gotta go. you, can't, you need more of that milk. You can't go to solid food yet because you can't digest solid food when there's pride. You just can't because all that does is continue to build up pride and cause people to get puffed up in intellectualism. And Paul says, no, you need to continue to be on the gospel and let self-determination, self-advancement, self-exaltation be killed. And so, what is this solid food? Because as they grow and as pride is dealt with, we get to solid food. I mean, that, that's, that's what he so longed for them. And so, what is this solid food? Well, first of all, it's not intellectualism. It's not that you know, you're the smarty pants in the Bible and you know everything, right? It's not that. But, but I think a lot of times when we think about growing deep in the Lord and solid food, we, we automatically maybe go there in our mind. I, I used to. We maybe talk about things with big words. Um, we get deep into theology, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. That encourage that. But we think it's more intellectual. Paul is not dealing with that whatsoever. I mean, I think it's included a little bit, but, but the goal of this is, is he's dealing more in moral terms, not intellectual. And, and, and so the idea here is solid food is for humble people, men and women of humility, not the self-confident, not the self-exalting ones, not the self-determined to think they have it all figured out. No. Paul would say, no, those people, let's get them back on milk. Solid food is for people who want to boast in the Lord, not to get something more to boast in themselves and everything they know. And so it is these who long for God's wisdom because they realize on their own they've got nothing. And so they need the wisdom of God just to keep swimming. And that's what Paul had in mind. If you go back to chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. Remember, this gospel came to us not because 
We're the smartest in the class, not because we figured something out. No, it's because God revealed it to us. And so he says right here, through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. And so this idea of solid food and the depths of God, it's for those who realize they are nothing, but God is everything. And so only the humble could take it in and digest this solid food. That's why Romans 11, verse 33, this is one of the ending verses to one of the most difficult sections of Scripture. If you ever have read Romans 9, 10, and 11, and you've read it afterwards and go, man, that was light reading. Uh, you read the wrong thing. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. And here's one of the reasons I think it's tough. The message of Romans 9, 10, and 11 is that God is sovereign. And when it has things in there like, God will be merciful on whom he choose to be merciful. When it has things like that, that says that God has made you vessels of glory and made them vessels of wrath, those things like that go in our face. We're like, hold a second, what? It's difficult because what, what is Romans 9 through 11 about? Boasting in Christ, the devastating of pride. In man. And so listen to how Paul responds to this, what we would call deep section of Scripture. He says in Romans eleven thirty three, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Why? Because Paul recognizes in all humility, Paul was the the, the the example of humility, he, he modeled his life after Christ. He didn't get it perfect, we know that. But in all humility, he's, he's wowed at the depths and the wisdom of God because why? He realizes it's all about God. It's all about God. He, he chose us, he revealed the gospel to us, he saved us, he did the work on the cross. We have nothing to do it. We simply say, yes. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And Paul says, we are continuing to walk in such humility and not be like mere men with self-determination, self-exaltation, self-advancement. But we got to keep swimming upstream. So there was no progress in their spiritual lives. So he warns them here, do not take immaturity lightly. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. And so look what he says next in verse 5. He says, What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. And so he wants to give understanding here because, remember, they're having these factions and these groups within the church. Some are teaming up with, with the guy who planted the church. Some are teaming up with the guy who, who came after him and continued to build on what Paul started. But Paul says, Stop. We are mere servants. We're mere servants through whom you believed. So we're not the object of your faith, but yet many 
are putting their faith more in men than God. And so what is Paul addressing here? You see, the jealousy and strife traces back to their putting man in the place of God. Their failure to see God's sovereignty, that he is Lord over all. And this has been the problem of man since the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2. Is where we put man in God's place. And so Paul comes along and he puts man in his right place. We are mere servants. And he puts God in his right place, highly exalted as master. And so Paul says we're servants, referring to himself and Apollos. Apollos came after him as a teacher in the church. He was saved in Corinth, came up as a teacher. But he says, God is the master alone. We are mere servants. We we shared the message. We shared the wisdom of God, the truth of God. And you believed, but it wasn't you believing in Paul. It wasn't you believing in Apollos, but we were pointing you to Jesus, the object of faith. So that you would treasure him, not Paul and not Apollos. And Paul said, God has given opportunity to each one of us. What's he saying here? The end of verse 5. I think what he's saying here is, hey, listen, these roles we have as servants and leaders of the church that Paul and Apollos had to start and continue to build the church, what he's telling the people is, hey, listen, we're just servants. We're just mere servants, and God gave us this role, and the fruit in the converts, those who have come to Christ, namely, he's talking about them, right? God gave us that too. Not man, not what Paul and Apollos are, but God did that. And so Paul is trying to put it into the jealousy. He's trying to put it into the strife and say, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so let me just kind of ramp this up. Look at verse 6. He says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And so he's going to use this idea of farming, this idea of agriculture as a picture here and describe God's role, his role, and Apollos' role. And he simply says, hey, we came and we planted the gospel. We came and we shared the message of the cost, the wisdom of God. But God alone creates spiritual life. God alone causes growth. In the life of believers. In verse 7, he says, So then neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. What Paul is saying is, me and Apollos, compared to Jesus Christ, we are nothing. God chose the low things of this world, so no human would boast in humans, but instead in the glory of God alone. And so God chose you, he chose me. And his choosing of you and I to come to know him as Savior and Lord is not an opportunity for you and I to get praise. But instead, he chose you and I so that we could say how amazing Jesus is. That's the end and the goal of the cross. is not the exaltation of man, but the exaltation of Jesus Christ. The cross does not make much of you and I. It makes much of God. And that's why Jesus came. And that's for our good. It's for our joy. And then in verse 8 and 9, he says, 
Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So what is he saying here? Hey, me and Apollos, we're not against each other. We're not in competition. We have a common goal. Paul started the church. Apollos came in, continued to water, teach the gospel. And our common goal in it all is the glory of God. And he says here, God will reward the work. We're workers, but God owns it all. Let me just take, we got, we got just a few minutes. And I want to do this. I want you to look at 10 and 11. Actually, 10 through 15. I'm going to read it together. And I want to wrap it up with just these final words. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a master builder. So he goes to this idea of a farming, agriculture picture of how he wants you to see this. Now he goes to the building or ag, uh, architectural image. He says, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it, but each man must be careful. This is a good word, how he builds on it. For no man lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. And so what is Paul saying here? I love what verse 12 says. We must be careful. Paul came into the church and he built the church. Every church he built, what did he build it on? He built it on Jesus Christ. By the grace of God, he became a master builder, planting churches. But he didn't boast in that role. He boasted in Christ. He built the foundation of the church on Christ alone. And he does that here in Corinth as well. And so I think there's two things going on here. Paul's message is this, that we would have Christ as the foundation of our life. That Christ would be the foundation of a local church, just like the ridge here. And he says... There are going to be others that come after and build upon that. And Apollos did. There's going to be others that come after Apollos. There's going to be others that, that come after the leadership here in the ridge. There's going to become others who come and build upon that foundation. But what do we build upon, upon that foundation? He says right here, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. And so it, of the highest quality is where he starts, but then it goes down to the lowest of quality. And I think what Paul has in mind here is that we want to lay on this foundation with the highest of quality that honors and glorifies Christ. And what are those things? I think real simply, it's sound doctrine, that, that we believe in the things of the gospel, the, the biblical sound truth. 
It's the right work of the church, what the church is about, that we focus on discipleship, growing people in the Lord. We focus on evangelism, training, and, and equipping people to share their faith on, on missions, is that we would actively be missionaries, not just overseas, yes, but in our own community, holding out the word of hope to people that we live around and with, that we would have pure and right motives as we do this and character as well. But what has happened in this church that Paul is speaking to is they have gotten away from those things and started building their life and it started coming into the church on human wisdom. And we've talked about that over the last few weeks. And what is that? It's the exclusion of the gospel. It starts moving towards self. It's popular ideas that are not rooted in the word of God. You start moving away from evangelism and missions. And that's what was happening here. And so I want to encourage you. I mentioned this during the announcements today. I want to encourage you um, to come out Saturday from, from 9 to 3. You can sign up online and be trained in how to share the gospel in a conversational way so that you're equipped. And we must incur- continue to do that as we continue to seek to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ as a church. And then he says, one day, the work will be exposed. Our our life will be exposed. And what do we build our life upon? This goes for us, I think, as individuals. I think it goes for us as, as a church, as leaders. 1 Peter 4.17 says there's going to be a time of judgment, and it will begin with the household of God. And then after that, it will fall on those who do not obey the gospel of God, do not trust in the gospel. And so what is, what is it saying here is that there will be a day <clears throat> where our actions, our, our motives, what we built our life upon will be revealed. And those who build on faithfully the foundation of Jesus Christ with godly wisdom seek to live out not for their own end in pride, but as humble servants for the glory of God will be rewarded. But it says those who don't, all that they did were burned up and they will be saved in the end of verse 15, yet so as through fire. And so, as we close today, Paul's words are filled with hope, great hope. Paul wanted to see the best in people. He so longed for people to, to grow in the Lord and to keep swimming. I, I think of the lazy river um, at Hawaiian Falls. I don't know about you, but I like to turn around sometimes and start trying to swim against it, right, just to see. Um, And often, depending on which one I'm at, um, it's a losing battle, okay? But it's kind of fun to do that. And you think about it, that's that's what we're doing, man. As we swim against the culture, we, we swim against the lust of the world and lust of the flesh and secularism and all that is against us and trying to destroy us and take us down in our spiritual walk with Christ. 
And so Paul, and I want to do the same today, is I want to give you hope. Struggles are going to come. But continue to be reminded of the gospel, and that God loves you. He shows you as his child. He adopted you as sons and daughters of the king if you've trusted him as Lord and Savior of your life. And remember those truths. And may that allow you to be clothed in humility and to walk with him in a way that is humble in our world, clinging to him, leaning on him, and not walking in the way of the flesh, but in the way of the Spirit, and that your life will continue to have the foundation of Jesus Christ, and you would build upon it with the foundation of God's Word every day. Paul said this. He addressed the practices in his life daily. He addressed the flesh in his life daily. He will say every morning when he gets up, I die daily. I die daily. I pray today that we would continue to die to the flesh and walk according to the Spirit. Let's pray.